right, welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I'm William with my co-host Simon McCormack. Hello. Hello. Um, this is the final preseason podcast of the year, Simon. How has this offseason been for you? Uh, I am already starting to miss the the off season. <laughs> Why? Um, just because you we we're now going to be faced with actually seeing the Nets play as opposed to imagining what the Nets might be like. Yeah, we we move from the realm of pure fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple months can, if you you know, are willing, uh, sustain some fantasy. Mm-hmm. Generally, the, the, it starts off so poorly that all all hopes and dreams are crushed instantaneously. But were they, because the beginning of the season is, has a much easier schedule than the end, mm. uh, were they to get off to somewhat of a hot start, we could sustain these good, good feelings for a long time. That's right. And by good, good feelings, like, I don't think either of us believe they're going to be in the playoffs. But still... It's not objectively impossible that they are right now. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is yeah, you're right to say a better place to be than we're about to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I am excited to actually watch basketball. Yeah. I have devolved so far uh, into basketball as a purely abstract right. thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that is merely talked about right. on podcasts or read about on various sites yeah um, that I'm excited to watch humans play the game yeah yeah um, all right so since this is our last cast of the preseason we are gonna do some forecasting yes that's gonna be the heart and soul of this episode yeah uh, we have each uh, each of us are going to give our predictions in terms of win-loss totals. Uh-huh. Um, then we're going to talk about which player each of us thinks. And we have not consulted on this, so hopefully, I'm very hopeful there will not be overlap. Okay. Um, which player we think is going to show the most improvement, mm-hmm. which player we think is the biggest regression candidate, uh-huh. and finally, and most broadly, what we're most excited about about the upcoming season. Then we've got a few other things to discuss, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, Simon, the Vegas Mm over-under. Westgate opened at 32.5. Okay. Uh, It has dropped to 32. Okay. Over-under. So if it's... uh, And then Uh (laughs) betonline.ag. Your... Your place. My place of online betting. Uh-huh. Um, had dropped them down to 28, uh-huh. but they were getting so much overaction. The line is back up to 31.5. Okay. So let's say to average all those out, 32 is the line. Yep. Um, so 33 over, 31 under. Um, do you, would you like to go first? or, sure. or Okay, first. you go for it. Um, I will take the under. Um, I think that there's a very, very good chance the Nets will have one of the top three worst records in the league this year. Um, I think a combination of total lack of talent and total lack of uh, in-game coaching or or at least a a not great ability uh, as far as that goes – 
uh, combined with the desire to have a, a good draft pick, which we haven't had for five years, um, I, I think all of those factors are, create some very strong headwinds towards um, really being quite bad in terms of our record. Okay, so what is your... Do you have an exact number prediction? I would say we're going to have fewer than last year. That's my prediction. Under I 28. Have, I think we're going to have something around 24. Okay. All right. Well, that is uh, that is pretty low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even on 31.5, people are hammering the, uh, the over hmm. still. So... Hmm. People, Watch a Nets game, people. Sure. No, and I do think a lot of it has to do with people, generally people do not see the Nets. Anyone who would want to see the Nets probably doesn't subscribe to Yes Network in New York, yeah. so can't watch I them. I think that's highly likely. And, uh, and, yeah, as we know, they have the, the lowest ratings of any team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So let me, the way I did it was I talked about what my dream record for them would be. Okay. What my nightmare is. Okay. And what my actual prediction is. Okay. Okay, with... Um, Sounds like we're going to be here a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Settle in. Uh, you could probably take that uh, thing out tea of it. Thing, yeah. Right. yeah. We're having a little tea with our podcast today. It's not our usual uh, 24 ounces of sickly sweet beer, but... <laughs> You know, sometimes you just need to take a Sunday slow. Yeah, that's right. All right, so my dream is not totally dissimilar to your um, actual prediction. Uh I think they have a floor of around 21 wins, Uh and... That would be a floor I would I would actually not mind seeing them hit. Mm-hmm. And I think you get there by taking an approach that you could then sell to the you know, handful of people who care about what the Nets are doing, that you are, quote, investing in the future. Mm-hmm. And by investing in the future, it doesn't have to just be cynically like um, like Philadelphia, where you're just going for that draft pick. You're investing in the future because you are starting my, my now for sure favorite lineup that they could possibly run out with and that would result in a lot of losses but would also result in a lot of development which is where the investing in the future comes in uh-huh. where Delos one Musha's two Levert is three Kudukes four and Jared Allen five that's our young core we run them out every night they each get 28 to 30 minutes a night um, I that would be a very losing team and we would secure a great draft pick as well as get a really good sense of which of those five, perhaps all of those five, are going to be big pieces for the Nets going forward. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Bill, what, yeah. what about Rondé? You don't want another look at uh, a hard look at Rondé? A hard look in at his contract? I here? think that Rondé in this scenario is the sixth man. Mm. And we get him out there. He still gets a lot of run, 25 to 28 minutes a Uh night. I think we're going to get plenty O-Ronde. I think it's really easy for Ronde to to make a decision on whether we want to keep him. Like, can he he shoot? Hmm. Can he shoot? And I think we already know the answer to that. Um, But maybe not. Uh Right? So that's my dream scenario where we, we, we sort of bottom out, not necessarily the worst team, but pretty close to it. Um, but we get to see a lot of run of the young guys and uh, hopefully 
some of them show some development and we can get excited like we did about Jared Allen last year. My fear is that they take the culture of winning um, that has been there for the last few years. I mean, you know, trying to win, right. not actually Not winning. actual wins, yeah. But, but that that ambition to win, that ambition to compete at maximum level every night, which you could do with those starting five and still not win. Yeah. Um, and as will probably be proven with any starting five. I was that we put say, yeah. But I think we could take that a little too seriously and end up somewhere in the mid thirties. Mm-hmm. I think probably their absolute ceiling. If everything breaks our way, if D'Lo, Levert and Allen take big leaps, if the second unit is like a top, eight second unit in the league, which I think there's some speculation that they could be. We do have a deep team, mm-hmm. um, but they're all just of a, like a second unit nature at, yep. at this point. Yep. Um, I think that if we could somehow get a our defense into the top 15 defenses or our offense to start running in the top 10, then our defense could slip you know, back to where it has been in the 20s somewhere, low 20s, mm-hmm. um, they could somehow get to mid to high 30s. I think that's entirely possible. Okay. Um, and I think that would be a disaster in terms of drafting. I think it would not lead to a playoff berth, right. so that would have no effect on that. I don't think... Um, it would detract free agents because you're a middling team who can't make the playoffs. Uh, but it would, uh, and there could be a, a fine case made for this, that you'd never want to play on a team where it's clear that you're not doing everything you can to be successful and win. Uh-huh. Um, so it would instill habits of trying and giving a crap even if you don't. So it wouldn't be you know a total loss, but I, I certainly that's not my preferred route. Um, also, I think that by a trade deadline, we are going to have a very different team. We're probably not going to have Ed Davis, maybe not Napier, maybe not Carroll, maybe not Rondé. Um, hmm. And I think that all those things... Um, might make it hard to hit high 30s, even mid-30s. But that's sort of my fear. And my actual prediction, even though I bet the over online, just, I only put $10 on it because I just wanted – I didn't want to have incentive to root against the Nets winning. So I bet the over. But my actual prediction is that we're going to get 31 wins. I think, 31. I think that um, – I think that – that will be us playing at our our highest level all season, and that's about where we're gonna we're gonna break out. Of. Okay, but we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, twenty four and twenty one are our two predictions. Or For twenty four and thirty one. Yeah, thirty one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, should we have a little in cast wager on that? I've already been wagering too much with you. Um, but, like, you know, a, a beer or something like sure, that? Sure, a beer. A six-pack. What, what, what happens, though? Or what, what are the parameters? Um, so we'll say over 27 wins, I win. Under 27, you win, since you picked 24. Uh... 
Okay. What about what about let's say twenty? Let's say. What? what yeah, I don't know. I guess it's hard to do because twenty four and thirty one. Um. Sure. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Sure. Under twenty eight, sure. you win. Twenty eight and over, I win. Okay. Great. Okay. Great. Uh, for a one six pack of the winner's choice, so you cannot bring um, more for loco into my home. Oh. Okay. So, which player do you think is going to show the most improvement? I think it's going to be Jared Allen. Fucking goddamn. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't. It shouldn't be surprising that there's overlap. Bill, this team, we, you and I can read this team like a book, or at least conventional wisdom around this team. Um. I would say that just, you know, based on the preseason, I know you, you shouldn't say anything about preseason, uh, but I want to, and also I'm also taking into account the way he played last year and improved uh, through the course of the year last year. I think Jared Allen um, had a couple of impressive uh, preseason games in which he didn't get quite as destroyed as I thought he would by Valenciennes and um, and uh, Drummond, uh, and I think that there are. I mean, I don't think this. This is just objectively true. There are a lot of centers who are not like those players, who are much more like the uh, the uh, Gobert type, and I think that Jarrett will excel in that. And I also think that. Um, Jarrett is good uh, defensively doing... I think he would be good switching on to guards if they decide to do it more switching. Yeah. But I don't think that will hurt his time on the court. I think that, I think he's probably their best big who can potentially switch on yeah, to guards. Yeah, Ed Davis isn't going to be able to guard a guard. Right. Um, so, so I think no matter what they do defensively, he'll still have incentive to be there. And, you know, when he gets going, like, as, as you talked about... Um, I think it was last podcast. Maybe not, but you've at least talked to me uh, IRL about um, him looking really, really tentative. And I think it really depends on the game. Like if he if he's like freaked out and something bad happens at the beginning of the game, like he's just shot. Like uh-huh. he's just a, a complete uh, uh, panicky mess. But in in the the games subsequently, he has been much more. Uh, Assertive and and confident, and hopefully there's just more of that and less of the totally. Yeah, his out. numbers were certainly better after the first game. Right. So I I had the same same candidate for most improvement this year. Last season, his totals were eight point two points, five point four boards, and one point two blocks. Um, this preseason, again, this is not necessarily what they're going to be, but I think probably somewhat representative of what they could be. 13.8 points, 6.8 boards, and two blocks a game. So I think that 14 points and something like seven or eight boards is conceivable. It's conceivable. Um, I think it could creep up closer to eight boards because I think that Kenny Atkinson is going to be monomaniacally pushing the need to get rebounds on Jared Allen. So I think that's going to be a massive point of emphasis. 14 points might might be slightly too I think high. That's high. Uh, I wouldn't what? be surprised. Sorry, go ahead. What? I was just going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if he averages single digits in points. But uh, 
I, I imagine he'll get over double digits. But, yeah, closer to eight boards. And then the, the blocks is the thing that I think he could be truly elite in. Um, he is a good rim protector. Last season, so I looked up the top ten blockers last season. There are only three centers that average two or more blocks a game. Do you know which ones they are? Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. 2.6. Mm-hmm. Solid number of blocks per game. Kristaps, mm-hmm. 2.4. Very small sample size. And Gobert, who had 2.3. Then there's Capella, who Alan is most often compared to, at 1.9. And then Miles Turner, Joel Embiid, and Kevin Durant all had 1.8. I think that it is not inconceivable that Jared Allen sneaks into this elite company of, uh, you know, 1.8 to 2.2 range mm-hmm. of blocks per game. Mm-hmm. And if he does that in his second season in the league and gets his rebounds up to something like eight, mm-hmm. uh, I think he will be one of the hottest new NBA center prospects going forward in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So that would be certainly would qualify for most improved player. Since we both came up with the same one, who would you know that those are the one we picked was based on what we actually believe is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would you want to break out the most? Uh, I guess D'Angelo. Um, we've invested so much in D'Angelo, both in terms of the indirect and direct money and also just opportunity cost with, uh, you know, the Mozgov contract eating up um, cap space and then getting rid of Mozgov required us to, at least this year, eat up even more cap space. Yeah. Um, Kuzma. Kuzma, right. We, I mean, who knows if we would have drafted him, but you give up that pick and I you would feel take, sad. I would take Kuzma as our stretch four right now. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, I, I just mean like. Yeah, who no, knows no, if, no. We, if, if we would have drafted pick, him, yes, yes, yes. But at least we wouldn't, it wouldn't feel as psychologically bad as giving up that pick and seeing it be being taken by uh, the yeah. Lakers. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's just a, a huge amount of stuff that we've we've thrown and and I, I you know I know you can't chase good money after bad but it'd be nice if it, he was good. You yes, throwing. Good I money after I good. could not I could not agree more. It would certainly hearten any Nets fan if that guy <laughs> breaks out this year and proves that he has a legitimate chance of being a star in the league. Um, I I. If I'm truly honest with myself, I don't think I see it actually happening, but I really would love it to happen. The other two I would like to see break out um, are the rookies. I would like either one of them to pop mm-hmm. and show some. I mean, you know, they're rookies. They're not going to be rookies of the year or anything. But if one of them looks like they have, like, the upside of Jer- that Jared Allen was showing by the end of last season – I think that would be an extraordinary thing for the Nets. And right now, clearly, it looks like Kuduks, but Mush is coming off an injury, and I think he there's he does have potential. So we shall see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, regression candidate. Mm-hmm. Why don't I go first on this one? Sure. So initially, I was going to go with Demare. Mm-hmm. I think he's the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, is that who you're going to? Yes. Okay, so I won't dwell on that. 
my actual answer is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Huh. And this is both, I think he's going to numerically be a regression candidate and psychologically, and uh, maybe that's not the right word, but um, I think the perception of him mm. will be a big regression. Mm-hmm. So... To speak to that point first, Mm -hmm. last season he came out as a guy nearly washed out of the league, steps up into the starting role when we suffer a spate of devastating injuries to Jeremy Glassman Lynn (laughs) and uh, D'Angelo Russell, and balls out pretty hard for about a month and a half. It, you know, wows everyone, goes, wins the challenges thing at All-Star Weekend, um, comes up third on Most Improved, blah, 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 blah. So Spencer Dinwiddie is on the map now. As you, or as we discussed, Brian Windhurst um, on Hoop Collective, a massive national uh, basketball figure, said that he thinks Spencer's the best guy on the team, and that is something that you'll hear from lots of people mm. at 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 worst, you'll hear from the analytics guys. Well, I think Spencer's the best point guard on the, on the team, but I think they have to give D'Angelo the run to see if he can if he can do it. So he's got a lot of hype coming into this season, and I think that there is a very very real chance that he has a season that looks more like the end of last season when he was coming off the bench and playing a more support role to D'Angelo than he was um, during that weird, potentially fluky part of last year where he so impressed everyone. So I took the stats from the last two months of last season. And these, I'll I'll lay them out for you. And this is more what I think he's going to look like this year. Uh... So he averaged 10 points a game on 38% from the field and 28% from three, mm-hmm. which is massively inefficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, promisingly, 6.1 assists, which I think might not take a dip. If he gets the minutes, he will get about that, uh, on 1.6 turnovers. So that's really his bread and butter. He's a, a great assist-to-turnover ratio guy, which I don't think is going to change. But I do think that his scoring is going to take a massive hit, and his efficiency in particular is going to take a massive hit. Um, he averaged three rebounds. I don't imagine him becoming a much better rebounder than that. And he does almost nothing defensively. So he's mm-hmm. um, marginal blocks, and not, not even one on either of those. Right. Which I think will persist. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are fine for a backup point guard, but when you have expectations that maybe this guy should be the starter, this guy is playing for another contract, is another team going to want him? I think those numbers are going to start to be scrutinized a little more, and people might come way down on our boy SD. Sure. Uh, Very possible. Um Early returns on his uh, preseason have uh, not been good on the on the field goal percentage or three point shooting. Um, uh, yeah, my my pick for this is Damari Carroll. Um, it's both because he's had a bad preseason, but also because he's older. You don't tend to get better at playing um, as you get into your mid to early to mid thirties. Um, and Unless also, you're Jimmy Butler, right? 
Well, Jimmy Butler will grit it out. Um, no, but 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 here's something I think is that now I know we've been playing Damari at the four in part because of uh, uh, Rondé being out. Yeah, um, and Fareed. Yeah, and Fareed. Uh, I don't think Fareed is getting any money or any time really much. I, I think they see him as a center. I think as that, like a third string center. I do not mean to derail this, but uh-huh. I think the only thing that the only way Fareed is going to get many minutes mm-hmm. is if they want to do a little Tyler Zeller on him, where like where they played him a bunch oh, before yeah. the trade they, deadline and then flipped him for something. Well, the issue is that instead of a incredibly team friendly contract like Zeller was on a mm-hmm. minimum contract, he's on a fourteen million dollar <laughs> a year contract. So that will be a tough right. that will be a tough sell. But right. Um, but so so, <clears throat> but they're playing Damari at the four, and I think that they will continue to do more of that than they did last year. And I think Damari is not great at the four. I understand that it's about you know floor spacing, and he can kind of shoot three pointers, um, but he's just not like you know the wear and tear that's been on his body already is surely increases when you're playing against people who are bigger than you. It doesn't weirdly he seems to get fewer rebounds when he plays at the 4 than he does at the 3. Like he averaged quite a few rebounds last year. Yeah, it was a career high in rebounds. Right, and that was him at the 3 and you know I just don't I don't think he likes playing at the 4. I don't think he is really built for that even in today's modern game. He's not that good at shooting threes. Yeah. Um so you know, I, I just don't – yeah, and, and and he had an amazing year last year, like a, an improbably good year last year. So he's he's got um, – you know, meeting the, the marks from last year will be, will be difficult. Yes, no, he set records in rebounding and scoring last year, personal mm. <laughs> records. Um, and I kind of wanted to look and see, like, maybe the end of the season he sort of dipped off and became more like what we can – conceive of him being this year, and that's when I was thinking I was mm-hmm. going to do him as mine. And his numbers got much, much better after All-Star mm-hmm. break. Um, so that kind of had to throw that theory out the window. Yeah, and I also, just the last thing is, I I also think that Kenny and Sean Marks may be interested in seeing more of, they, they may be more interested in taking a look at um, Trevion Graham yep. at the three and potentially the four. Um just because he could be around next year, they have him if they want him at a very, very reasonable contract. I think it's below two million. Um, so if they can squeeze a rotation guy for two million this year and next year, I think that's an exciting ask, you know thing that they want to see if that's doable. Yeah, totally. I, uh, and I think Lavert is going to eat into his minutes too. Yeah, and push him around positionally. Um, all right. So what are you most excited about? This season, Bill and I, I hate to. I feel like I'm, we're going to get another uh, bad review about how negative we are on the Nets. So yeah. I, I don't want to drag you into this. This is just me. Right, write okay. a review of me on my right. iTunes. Right on your um, verified Twitter account. Yeah, sure. Send me a send me a, a star review on my Twitter. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I think the most exciting part of this season yeah. will be our draft pick. Yeah, I think that we if, like right. I think that we are going to pretty solidly tank, as I said, and I think that uh, the the little, the little and, and again, you know, you and I are legit, you know, Nets fans. I think it's very hard for us to 
turn off our emotions and just, you know, think about ping pong balls right. with every loss. But th- so I'm not saying that I'll be like, woo, another, you know, another ball <laughs> in the, in the uh, lottery um, uh, world, ball world machine. Sure, yeah. I, is there a name for it? I don't know. Ball um, popper? Ball popper. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, but I do think there will, unlike last year uh, and several years before that, there'll be a little bit, a, a little silver lining, a little feeling of t- tinge of, uh, you know, goodness when, when we lose. Yeah. Um, my uh, thing I'm most excited about this season is our season ticket. Oh, well, woo! Uh, yeah, as mentioned, we have tickets in the revered Brooklyn Block, (laughs) (laughs) a group of 20 of the most loud Mm -hmm. uh, fans, Mm -hmm. loudest fans Mm -hmm. Brooklyn can muster um, when we can be bothered to show up, (laughs) Uh, which hopefully lasts for the whole season, though there was already dissent and fissures being uh, emerging in game uh, preseason game one, but I am really excited to be that close to the action all yeah. season long. Yeah. Um, that we didn't have to pay for it is amazing. Yeah, uh, and I I can't wait to root for a winning or losing team this year. I agree. Um, all right, so we are going to move on to an article you shared with me. Yeah. And that no doubt many people in Nets Nation have seen. And it is Zach Lowe's tiers for the NBA this year. Yes. We landed in a tier that I must say, uh, I mean, from what we've discussed, I don't think either of us would put the Nets in, which is right on the borderline and the borderline to the playoffs. Right. Um, We are in this border state with... The Spurs, the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Heat without Jimmy Butler, the Pistons, and the Hornets. Yeah. Um, How many of those teams that I just named do you think we could have a reasonable chance of finishing the season better than? I don't think any of them. I don't. I don't. I really, honestly, don't think any of them. And I understand that Charlotte is not good, and and that the Pistons are not good, and that the Heat. You know, last year we we did pretty well against the Heat. Yeah. Well, the Heat have a very similar. Uh, they the, their only um, quality is that they try. So when you play another crappy team that tries, you're gonna right. run into some trouble. Right. All of that said, though, I think dollar for dollar, pound for pound, ta- talent ounce per talent ounce, yeah. we just. Do not stack up favorably against any of those teams. No, agreed. Uh, the three teams in the East, I think, will with with ease uh, finish better with better records than us, um, and that it's just laughable to be in the same category as the Spurs, the Pelicans, right. and the Blazers. Right. Um, and that's a function of the West being. That is a function of the conference. But Simon. You've got a lot to say about this one. Why don't you take it? Away? Yeah. So Zach Lowe um, mentions in his uh, break uh, breakdown of the Nets that uh, many or or, or several um, coaches and scouts for opposing teams have mentioned to him, quote, unsolicited, 
in quote, that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically um, that Kenny Atkinson and his staff have introduced team-specific wrinkles into their game plan to sort of take away things or or otherwise disrupt um, the opposing team's game plan that they were surprised by, that threw them off their game, and that they didn't really expect for uh, a, a team to implement in the regular season when you're playing, you know, a different team every night. Um, so I found that interesting because Bill and I have talked quite a bit about Kenny not being a good in-game coach, not a good X's and O's guy, not a good uh, team strategist. Um, so it was interesting to see that um, thing. Uh, so I, I, I just found that remarkable, um, and I, I, I know you feel differently. Uh, yeah, I think that um, I... I agree with something that um, WFAN's Evan Roberts mentioned in his interview on the Glue Guys, mm-hmm. which is basically that uh, since the Nets lack a passionate or engaged fan base, mm-hmm. um, Atkinson's and Marks generally just get a pass on stuff. Uh, they. No one, no one's really watching them closely, scrutinizing what they're doing, and as a result, uh, you can say, "Hey, they're, you know, doing better than you might expect given what they inherited, which was a franchise in absolute shambles, by far the worst team in the league, um, and they've done something with that. They've gotten us into, you know, well, according to you, maybe bottom." three teams in the league, but um, last year we were the eighth worst team. So that, you know, we're still in the bottom 33%, but we're not at the absolute bottom. So then people without watching or caring, um, give him a pass. Mm -hmm. I do think anyone who has watched him craft an inbounds play. Yeah. It's like diametrically opposed to Brad Stevens where you like, it's, Game seven of a playoffs, and he gets like Al Horford an open layup on an inbounds play, and we have like you know no one's trying on defense, and we like throw it off Quincy Ace's face and uh, get a turnover or something. Right. So yeah, I mean, perhaps other coaches uh, are picking up on stuff that he's doing that's craftier than uh, a casual observer can pick up on, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to see it when you're there. Yeah, sure. And I don't think you and I would ever know. You know, we we would never be able to say, uh, you know, oh, they're taking away, like, this particular thing that Charlotte likes to do. Right. Like, this is a classic thing that Charlotte uh, wants to get into and right. Kenny Atkinson has... Oh, that's good. I see the Nets staff has watched as much tape on Charlotte right. as we have. Right, right. <laughs> and have, have accordingly adjusted their game plan. Right. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. He did say... He did put one major caveat in. He says... He thinks they can get about 35 wins, mm-hmm. which is not really fringe playoffs, but um, maybe in the East. Teams yeah, are pretty pretty know. awful. Um he says one major caveat is that we own our pick. Right. And the front office, I believe he says, yes, is, quote, very aware 
of the fact that they own that pig. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you start starting people like Kuduks yeah. and Musha because you've become so cognizant of that wonderful yeah. draft pick. Yeah. Uh, you also wanted to discuss your... I mean, you hold this man in reverence. Yeah. Mr. Lichtenstein. Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Um, Steve? Steve Lichtenstein. Right? Uh, you want to tell us about some tweets that he <laughs> tweeted? <laughs> so it's based on this article from NBA.com where it, it's uh, one stat for every team and the particular stat that they chose for the Nets is basically that we are really good at forcing teams to take low-value shots, mid-range shots, Mm -hmm. and yet still terrible at defense. I mean, pretty bad, like 21st or something at at defense, and and horrible in terms of actual field goal percentage, like one of the worst in terms of um, opponent's field goal percentage. Uh, And so it sort of delves into the reasons for that, and, and, and Lichtenstein has been... Has been as as any Lichtenstein nut knows. He <laughs> has been calling vociferously for the Nets to go into a, a switching defense. They don't yeah. really do that. They keep, um, I think, because they want Jared Allen to just be, in, you know, back in the in the paint, yeah. waiting for the inevitable for the guard block. to go flying by their man, and then Jared. <laughs> tries to block them. But he's advocating for, you know, a more Warriors and, and a more uh, new the NBA. Rockets, uh, Rockets are, are the, are the best see. example of a switching defense. Yeah, so where everyone, where everyone you know, and, and, and in some ways we have personnel you could, I guess, say that we could do that because we have big guards. Yep. We have similarly sized forwards. Jared Allen, as we just, as I just talked about, seems like a guy who could show on a on a screen to a, to a guard and at least keep his, you know, keep his man in front of him. Um, so there are some elements of that, uh, but we also did like do that before. I feel like in the beginning of the year, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like we were amazing at defense. I mean, the, the biggest problem is like we don't have players who are good at defense, yeah, so you that's, can that's an shuffle issue. them around <laughs> and try different schemes. Right. But ultimately, to be good at defense, you need to have players who are good at defense. Yes, a scheme can only get you so far. <laughs> you do need humans who can carry out said scheme. Uh, yeah, no, the, the the crazy stat was that the Nets outscored opponents by 900 points from three last season, which is 11 points per game. So how did we only win 28 games? <laughs> it's because... We, one, couldn't score from anywhere, apparently, but three. And two, gave up so many points right. um, on easier buckets. Easier, right. less efficient buckets, right. but easier buckets. Right. Um, another fun stat from that article, that NBA.com um, article. The Nets, and this will not come as a shock, though it is a fairly shocking statistic. The Nets are one of two teams, Phoenix is the other, that has ranked in the bottom 10 in both offense and defense efficiency each of the last three seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, In the last 12 seasons, and this is truly (laughs) mind-boggling, they've ranked in the top 10 on either end of the floor just once. Yeah. When they ranked ninth in offensive efficiency in 2012-2013. Just snuck in there. We barely crept in. Those are harrowing statistics. Yes, yes. But that's all going to change 
when we get Jimmy Butler. Um, all right. So I'm going to move on to a segment we haven't, unless you want to say anything else about that. That was a, that was an interesting thing. Thanks for passing it. Sure. We're going to move on to headline of the week. Wow. Let's get uh, it a little louder. Let's get it a little louder in here. Headline of the week. All right. There we go. Uh, now we're cooking with gas. Gas. Yes. Headline of the week. <laughs> Um, and this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna amend the title of this segment. It's not headline of the week. It is most maddening headline of the week, <laughs> and it is quote Spencer Dinwiddie colon quote. No way, I shouldn't have won most improved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's annoying if you take it out of context and say and assume he's saying he's better than Oladipo Mm -hmm. and uh, Clint Capella which he is not so I will not take it out of context and read it like that I would say it's more annoying when he goes in depth to explain and rationalize why he made that claim Yeah, Um, and he says like you know Oladipo was good before, so him being really good isn't that much of an improvement. Same with Capella. And I went from being really bad to, according to advanced analytics, James Harden level point guard. Yeah, or right. Having right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is just digging a deeper hole for your already extremely arrogant and annoying comment. Uh, I think he should be flattered that he was in that conversation. I would imagine, maybe not, but that will probably be the highlight of Spencer Dinwiddie's NBA career. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know if you've got anything to add. I, I would just say that another thing, and I don't remember if this was in the in- initial uh, series of quotes or, or in his explanation of what he was saying uh, after the fact, but... Um, he also said that he felt like his numbers were just sub all star, which I, I would love for you to show me an on the bubble all star who averages twelve points and shoots less than forty percent. I yeah. just don't know. I mean, they, they're not I don't out know there. Who, they're not yeah. out there. Right? You'd 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 have to go back to like the fifties when, <laughs> when a game could end with sub fifty scoring. Right. Um, anyway, he continues to be a somewhat polarizing figure on the Nets. Yeah. Um, I wanted to briefly mention, we are winding down here, which is good. We're going to keep this under an hour. Oh, great. Uh, I wanted to mention our fantasy results. Oh, okay. Um, in relation to the Nets, okay. not go through who you and I have on our fantasy basketball okay. teams. Uh, I think people may be interested to hear. Sure. Uh, in our fantasy draft, it's a 14-team draft mm-hmm. with 10 roster <laughs> spots per team. So 140 people were drafted. Six nets were drafted. Yeah. Uh, remarkably high number. Yeah. A- Jarrett Allen went for the highest at 17. Uh, D'Lo came in second at $12. Alan Crabb mystifyingly went sixth in the draft for $11. Yeah. A massive overpay. Uh-huh. Uh, Karis LeVert went for six. Joe Harris went for a dollar. And Rondé Hollis-Jefferson went for a dollar for the second year in a row, which could be, if he gets a starting rollback, a massive underpay. Yeah. I think even if he doesn't, a dollar is... That's like waiver wire. Yeah, sure. Right. 
Uh, did you? Were you the proud owner of any of these guys? No, I wish. I wish I had gotten Rondé for a dollar. Yeah, no, that's not a that's not a horrible price to pay for the guy. Um, preseason results: we went two and two. Two and two. We lost to the Raptors. We lost to the Knicks. We beat the Knicks. We beat the Pistons. Yep. Um, D'Lo and Levert had some very good games in there. Jared Allen had some good games in there. Kuruks is a fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, I would say that is the the uh, the Yes Network uh, version of how free <laughs> season went. Um, no, I I mean I don't know. I mean I you know it 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 is my, my view is colored by the fact that we saw probably the worst. Uh, well, no, because they lost by like twenty eight or something to the to the uh, Raptors. Yeah. So it was a massacre. So, um, but I I just you know I I, I feel like we're starting to see and and this is this is more pessimism here. So I'm sorry, but but we're starting to see. I fear the 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 how far development can take. Like that maybe development isn't this like. You know, a all-powerful force that can make up for uh, a pretty talent-poor team. Um, it's just hard to to keep bumping up, mm-hmm. um, and I think we saw a lot of players who were pretty close to where they where they were um, last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch any of the games other than the one we went to. Mm-hmm. Did you? Just highlights and looked at the box score. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, with all preseason things, too too soon to tell. Cannot wait to see some actual basketball games. We're going to one Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We are going to conclude this show with something we very much love, which is a... Mailbag! Oh! Yeah, all right. Uh, so we've got a mailbag from... Lipsanity. Yeah. He asks, do you like Joe Harris's beard? Simon, do you like Joe Harris's beard? Bill, I don't like Joe Harris's beard. I love it. I love it. I really In love Hollywood. it. In Hollywood. I think <laughs> I think Joe Harris uh, looks great with the beard. Not only the beard, but he's done something very different with his hair, top yes. hair. And it looks great. I also think it's funny that he basically adopts the what I would imagine is like the hairstyle of wherever he like goes. Like I feel like when his Cleveland cut yeah. that he had last right. year and the year before uh, is a very looked, like looked more Marshall. Right. It looks <laughs> looked very like middle of the road Midwestern like generic haircut yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. And now he's got the full like hipster beard and, and a and a haircut that looks like it costs some money. Yeah. Um he you know I am I I am much more excited about Joe Harris's look than I am uh, his his game. Although I think his game is fine. His game is perfectly fine. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic look. Uh, I want to reiterate all the things you said. Yeah, I'm a I'm a beard man. Uh, <laughs> if I could have flowing top hair, yeah, I would have flowing top hair. That's not an option uh, for me or or my co-host. Yep, that's right. Uh, um, but uh, you know what? That place missed a few of your hairs. That's unsurprising. That's unsurprising. Yeah. Bill, if you want to take me... You need to come to Bill's me. Blades. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, no, Harris looks great. I hope to run into him. He's on the subway all the time. He's a much... He, he, he often mentions taking the subway. Yeah. Uh, and lives not very far away from here. Mm. He lives in um, uh, Fort Greene, right? Mm. 
I don't. Or Clinton Hill. I, I have yeah. no idea. Anyway, uh, great question. Keep them coming. Yeah, thank you. We are up to eighteen reviews on iTunes. Ooh. That's not bad. Huh? Who are we, the Beatles? <laughs> hey, Ringo. <laughs> no, uh, fuck. Huh? You're Ringo. You are obviously Ringo. Coach is John and Paul. Oh, you're George the uh, handsome You know, one? I'm just extremely good looking an and ass. arguably arguably the most talented. What a complete ass. <laughs> Who, George Harrison? You. <laughs> what a complete and utter what ass. What a complete ass. Uh, all right. So, yes, send in your questions to maybe next time at gmail.com yes. or tweet at us. Or why not just IG us, DM us, ping us. Um... Do something else. Yeah, get get in touch. Yeah, get social. Uh, leave us a review. They help. We want to break that twenty barrier. When we break twenty, what are we gonna do? Maybe go back to Red Lobster. Maybe, maybe That's probably somewhere too, else. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can go somewhere else. That sure. Is fun. And, um, yeah, any ideas? Um, I don't know. Any place you've been jonesing for? Have you? Well, maybe we do some dinner theater. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> uh, if you pay for it. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> All right. So, thank you for listening. Um, we will go ahead and see you next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So, while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. Columns, there was this letter I read. If you like Pina Colada.